Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Well, my youngest came home from college. She's in her first semester of college. So this was her first time coming back Mm. home. And it was so good to have her home over the weekend. I just... I've been reminded all weekend in the tiniest ways just how much I miss her company on a regular basis. Mm. And we laugh together. We dance in the kitchen. That's a thing that happens at the buyer household, but it happens a lot with Haven. And so anyway, it was super fun to have her home. But this girl, when she was little, can will you indulge me with a little Haven story real quick? Sure. May I? Okay, she had the best imagination, and it was so much stinking fun just to see how this would show up in her childhood. (laughs) She dressed up. You never knew what, you know, if she was going to be a clown or a cowboy or a baseball player or a football player or, you know, what she had going on. But she, she just had this incredible imagination. She was the only one out of my four kids that had an imaginary friend. Mm. And it was... I mean, she was, her friend was so real to her. Her name was Emmy Gorra. That was her imaginary okay. friend's name. So yeah, she was intense, but she was, it was so much fun to watch her imagination come alive. I mean, that's just so fun, mm. isn't it? In kids mm. to watch them kind of pretend and create. And she fully believed whatever it was she was diving into. She believed it with all of her heart and she acted out completely And I think that we still do that. What we believe influences our behavior in ways, you know, that are way greater than what we probably want to admit as adults. But what we believe influences how we act, especially this is true when it comes to our identity. What you believe about yourself is going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your relationships, at your work, in the way that you drive, in all kinds of ways. There was this crazy experiment that was done at Stanford back in like 1971. And what they did where they took 24 people, you know, who were psychologically stable, healthy individuals. And by random selection, they decided that half of them in this experiment would be the guards and half of them would be prisoners. And this would be a 14 day experiment. And the guards had these really nice uniforms and they had nice living quarters and all kinds of privileges. And then the prisoners lost all of their privilege and all of their identity. And both the guards and the prisoners, as they began the experiment, started to actually believe that the role that they had arbitrarily been given Mm. was true to who they were. And they started to act this out in the experiment. After about 35 hours, one of the participants had to be removed because he had a mental breakdown. That's incredible. did like a day and a half. I know. I know, and it was meant to be a 14-day experiment. They actually had to cut it short. They stopped it after six days because of the negative impact that it was having on everyone involved. Hmm. You can Google it and find all the details there. But the truth or the, um, you know, the gold for us to pull out of this story, this real-life story of what happened, is that what we believe about ourselves absolutely shapes how we behave. And that's why it's so important to believe what is actually true. If we're in scripture and we're reading the Bible and spending time with God, he's going to speak truth over us. And eventually we're going to start to believe it. And hopefully like the experiment much sooner than anticipated, right? We'll see the truth and hear the truth and believe the truth about who he is and about who we are. And then that truth will find its way into our behavior and our relationships mm. and our work. 
First John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Mm. So the truth is, we are loved. Yeah, we have a Father who has demonstrated time and again that he cares for us. And I know that sometimes in the midst of whatever circumstance we're going through, that doesn't always seem to translate. Yeah, we feel unlovable most of the time by our own choice. You know, we look Mm -hmm. at our own life and we say, well, I did this and I did that. And certainly a pure and perfect God couldn't love me, but he is love. And the truth of the matter is we are deeply loved. The question here is, do we believe that truth? Because what we believe is what's going to influence how we live. So if you believe that you're loved, do you live loved? And what would it look like today? If you've never really thought about this, what would it look like for you to live loved today? How would that change how you do what you do, Mm. how you go into work and how you step into difficult conversations? Someone, you know, that I care about is stepping into a difficult conversation today. I'm just praying, Lord, let them know they are deeply, deeply loved. How would that change knowing that you're loved? How would it change how you drive today? Mm. How you purchase, how you spend your time online? Because you are deeply. Deeply, deeply loved. And what you believe is going to steer how you live. So believe what's true. Believe that you are loved and live love today. Let this truth renew your mind and shape your behavior. I'm telling you, it will transform your life. Yeah, we're talking about purpose and identity. There are some that figure it out early in life. And I think there are some people that maybe feel like they've lived their whole lives before they even figure out just exactly why they're here. What I'm they were still made trying for. to figure it out. <laughs> if you have any ideas, let me know, Scott. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, maybe we wish we could have a life like John the Baptist. I mean, here was a guy whose life was mapped out from the very beginning. I mean, it's, it's his parents knew, certainly knew the way he needed to go, and apparently he did too. You know, when Gabriel told Zechariah that he and his wife would have a son in their old age, the angel said that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. So that sure that Holy Spirit's kind of giving him direction and purpose is what I'm supposed to be. Before he was even born. Before he was even born. In fact, uh, when, when he was born here, Gabriel saying about his son, or not Gabriel, Zechariah saying this about his son, he said that, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And, of course, we also all know the story about how when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, she's pregnant with baby Jesus. And as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. In fact, Elizabeth goes, says, my, the babe leaped for joy in my womb because I heard your voice. And she knows that the Messiah is my own. It's really <laughs> <laughs> And that's the whole, it was the Holy Spirit. It was yeah. the excitement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So Zechariah was obedient with that angel's command, even though he doubted at first. And it cost him his voice for that those nine months that it took to happen. I mean, understandably, he was very puzzled by this whole thing. Right. And I feel like the loss of his voice, too, was just a... Um, Yes, it was a loss, but also it was a gain because it was confirmation daily that God was up to something amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, came right back once he was obedient in naming the boy John. And in fact, when the relatives are objecting, what you're supposed to name him after somebody in your family. And 
And then when he motioned and wrote down on the tablet, his name is John, mm-hmm. his voice came back just like that. And everybody's going, what? <laughs> so, so that was obviously caused a bit of a stir. Now, beyond his birth, we really don't know anything about his growing up years. We don't know anything. The next time we hear about him, he's coming out of the wilderness, um, kind of a ragged guy, actually. Uh, they said he fed on locusts and honey and uh, wore camel hair. So he's kind of a rough character, to, but he's proclaiming the coming of the Lord, preaching, repent, telling people you need to repent, get right with God, because Lord's coming. He's getting ready to set up his kingdom. I think that there's something on to the fact that he wasn't swayed by culture and the people of the day. I mean, he so knew what his purpose was that, you know, yeah, apparently people weren't, you know, camel hair wasn't the thing, (laughs) right? It wasn't wasn't like leopard print today or whatever, but he was, he knew what he was to be about. I'm just so, you know, it's so admirable that he knew this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. And he lived that out wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's undoubtedly Zechariah and Elizabeth poured that into him as a young, as a young man. And because they were old when he was born, he probably, they probably died at a fairly early age for him, mm-hmm. which meant he didn't have the burden of caring. I mean, this, this is not a plus. It's just the way it was. Right. He didn't have the burden of caring for his mom and dad, which would have been certainly the expectation. The other expectation might have been by others that he would be a priest like his dad had been. But that was not the path that he chose to go. In fact, he chose to go off and be alone so that he could prepare. The Holy Spirit probably directed him to go mm-hmm. in the wilderness in this preparation. So the only time we really see any doubt maybe as to what was going on in life was when he felt that Jesus really hadn't quite gotten the message that he was supposed to be taking over. He thought the kingdom was when the kingdom he was proclaiming was to happen right now. Right, the impatience just, with the process. Yeah, it was, and it, he was expecting it to happen in a different way than it was coming out. So uh, Jesus had to remind him. He said, now, the, and he told John's disciples, because John didn't come to himself. He just sent his disciples. So they said, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So that was a little bit of a rebuke to John, but again, a confirmation. I'm doing everything that was predicted Mm -hmm. that I would do. And in fact, he goes on to give John high praise. He said, no greater man has ever been born of woman than John. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was, you know, he wasn't criticizing him. He just, I want to give you this encouragement. And of course, we know that John continued on in this ministry, continued to do it with boldness, even to the point where he confronted the king, King you know, Herod and Antipas, over his sin of killing his brother so he could have his brother's wife. And of course, we know that landed him in jail and eventually cost him his life. So yeah, off with his head. <laughs> so that, but we know that uh, he was crystal clear and what he was there for. Yeah. He kept doing it to the very end. So, you know, maybe our purpose isn't as crystal clear as John's calling was, but there is a lesson here for us, I think for us, and that while we have our doubts, we need to be willing to bring those doubts to Jesus because he's not going to condemn us for doing that, for doubting. 
He knows that we long for his approval and that we need his approval. Mm. And, you know, even when the path doesn't seem clear, he's more than willing to give it to us. So don't be discouraged. Be willing to carry those doubts to him. He's ready to listen. Listen to this quote from Mark Twain. I'd love to know what you think about this. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you found out why. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Is it just me, though, or do other people wrestle with the question, why am I here? Mm, I think we all wrestle with that. Well, I believe that God's intentional. We see it in all of his creation. You know, every creature has a purpose, you know, and and a, a job that they carry out on earth. Every single one from a bumblebee to, you know, you and me. So I've got to believe that there's some specific reason that I'm here on planet earth. But what is it? And a lot of the time I feel like I'm failing at it. I don't even know what it is necessarily. So imagine with me that you take a bowl, just play along. I know this is a big leap from where we were, but play along. Okay. Okay. So imagine you have a bowl and you fill it up with water and the water just leaks right out the bottom. What kind of bowl is this? Yeah. You're like, this is weird. So you try it again. You fill it up with water and it just leaks right out the bottom. It's all over the counter and it's dripping onto the floor and you're getting frustrated because it's making a mess. And you take a closer look and you realize that there are, a bunch of tiny little holes all in the bottom of this bowl because this bowl was not created to hold water. It was created for water to flow through it. The Mm. bowl's actually a strainer. Well, so often I feel like I'm failing at my purpose and that causes other people to be frustrated. You know, it looks like I'm, I'm not doing what I was created to do. I feel the weight of the expectation of other people in my life. Right. Right. And We weren't created to live for the approval of other people. We were created to live for the approval of God and to find out what his purpose is for us. So if you're wondering what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to accomplish, or what your unique expression is that you bring to the world, I think, you know, at the end of the day, maybe we weren't created to hold water. We were created for water to run right through us. In other words, you know, we weren't created for our own purpose or for our own glory, but for God's glory, that by being in relationship with God, by just keeping company with him and talking to him and trusting him and loving him and letting him love you, shaping your life according to what the Bible says, that what he says about you and how life works is how you live your life. That as you do that, that others would not see you or me at all, but see him through us. Yeah. And of course, some of that comes as we get more knowledgeable about his word, spending that time in prayer, which I know is difficult for a lot of us to do with the way our days go, just to carve out that time to be alone with God, to make that a priority so that he can fill us so that we can help better understand our own purpose. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, there is a point where you make a decision. You say, I'm going to follow after Jesus and I'm going to live the Jesus way. But after that, there's just a million decisions every single day right. that we make that honor Do I that. get married? Do I stay single? Do I take this job? Do I go here? Should I stay put? Do I say it? Do I keep quiet? Right. Do You know what I mean? Just a million right. decisions all day long that we have to make. And I think, 
I don't know. I just think we need to be reminded that we were born to have a personal relationship with God and to show the world who he, he is by the way that we live. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 